Luke Mankus is a realtor. He loves what he does. We asked Luke if he had any regrets about moving here in 2011, and he always says, yeah, one regret, and that is he didn't move here sooner. When Luke came here, he didn't know anyone. He didn't know the neighborhoods or anything or anyone besides his daughter, who was six years old at the time, so he knows what it's like. Now, he's an expert and has helped well over 100 single people, couples, families, and investors with their real estate needs in the Okanagan. If you're new to our beautiful city, Luke can help you get connected with great lawyers, dentists, carpenters, landscapers, swimming pool installers, you name it. And whether you're new to Kelowna or not, Luke knows real estate. He can help you find a great property, negotiate a good deal, and hold your hand all the way through the process until the day you get your shiny new set of keys. Luke is known as a no-pressure kind of guy. He's had clients where it took even a year or more to get them into a property. He just doesn't believe in rushing things. On the other hand, when you decide it's time to act, he's diligent, and he'll work day and night until the job is done. Give Luke Make Us a call or a text message at any time, 778-215-4273. Again, that's 778-215-4273, 778-215-4273, to chat with Luke about real estate. So, Brittany, you're one of the rare guests on the show that is actually from Kelowna. Yeah. Born and raised here. What was it like growing up here? Well, I didn't know how amazing the Okanagan was because I was just born here. Right. I had to leave and come back to understand what a beautiful place we live in. Um, my parents actually, so I was born actually in Vernon. Okay. And then we moved uh, here. Uh, when they bought Mission Meats. Meats. So, yeah. Mission Meats, wow. My, my parents, uh, they own a butcher shop. It's on the corner of Lexington and Lakeshore. And so they supply you with all the old-fashioned uh, dried beef, uh, chickens, things like that. So When was that? What year was that? Do you recall? 97. 97. 97 when, uh, was when it was established. Yeah. Uh, that location has been there since the 1970s. So wow. it's... A heritage building, uh, basically, in Canada. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds so funny, 1970s being heritage, but I guess we're all getting up there, yeah. right? Yeah, that was when Lakeshore was still a dirt road, right? Yeah. Now, <laughs> if I can ask, how old were you in, when this move happened? I was six years old. Six years old. Yeah. And do you remember moving here, or it was yes. your parents just didn't get in the yeah. car, we're going? So, how <laughs> <laughs> it ended up working... Um, my parents were trying to manage the store from Vernon, right? So they were traveling mm. back and forth all the time. And even though it's, you know, about an hour commute, um, my brother was left in charge of me. So we were a lot of trouble. How, was, how much older is he's he? He's seven years older than me. So he's like the third parent in the family. But right. um, still, he's he's a tween teenager, right? So yeah. he was a troublemaker. And did, so was I. Did you get into trouble? A couple times. What did, what? We just fight a lot. I'd watch inappropriate shows for my age, <laughs> right? So I would have nightmares, and my parents would just be shaking their head, like, "What have you done, Stephen?" So oh. then they were like, "Okay, we need to be closer to home because you know the first five years of owning a business, especially in Kelowna, can be pretty difficult. You know, it's a very highly saturated uh, market here, just in terms of owning a small business. So sure. the first five years were pretty difficult for them. Uh, they had to turn around." Um, 
a reputation. Yeah. So build it back up. So, so was it pretty pretty soon after buying the business that they decided to move? Yeah, a year yeah. after. Year after, They're and like, that's a long time yeah. to commute. And yeah. So what? Tell us some of your early memories of Kelowna as a small child. Um, so going back to how bad of a kid I was, <laughs> really wasn't so bad, but, uh, I always, uh, used to leave the playground at school mm-hmm. and because there's always farmer's fields around. So I'd go and I'd explore mm-hmm. the, the snake pit as we called it. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> you'd find like garter snakes. I was terrible actually. <laughs> really? Yeah. I'd have to write lines all the time, but that was, I, I was always outside. So I was always doing something outside, and I kind of was left to my own devices as a little kid. So mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'd just go play with things. Right. Play with and, worms and right. snakes. <laughs> Would you bring stuff home? Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> I brought a cat home once. <laughs> wow. Mom, I found a kitten. Were you allowed like, oh, to my God. It? No. <laughs> and you were heartbroken because you had to take it to SPCA or push it out, push yeah. it out the front door. Yeah, I have a big heart for... For cats, kittens, and animals in general. We do too. We might get a couple visitors during this interview. We sometimes do. He likes to walk on the keyboard and uh, and introduce himself to you. That's Henry. (laughs) Um, So you said you had to leave Kelowna and come back to really appreciate how beautiful it is. Tell us when you left and when you came back. So um, throughout high school and then... um, Basically, once I, while I was in high school, I thought I was going to move away right away. I'd been looking at Victoria. I, there's something about Victoria that I really love. It's relatively the same size as mm-hmm. Kelowna, but it's just got that, it's the Vancouver Island look, right? Yeah. So, and I was falling in love with, like, just the Parliament buildings and the way, like, how green it was, because um, it is quite arid here, right? We're still a desert. Um So it just took me kind of doing those little trips with the family and then Mm -hmm. coming back to Kelowna. And then I finally, um, it was actually recently because I was still trying to save up my money to move away and all of that stuff. So I went to Southeast Asia and I was, I spent two months actually in that area. So I went to like Thailand, Hong Kong, uh, south to Malaysia and Bali, Sri Lanka, Lots of different places. I come back and I'm like, as great of an experience I had there, because I kept saying, why didn't I do this sooner? Um, I came back home and I was like, greeted by the mountains. And it was just so beautiful here. And like, the amount of wine I have access to here. (laughs) Like, please. Exactly. So, yeah, it it was always there. I always knew how great um, the Okanagan was, but... The true uh, appreciation of it came when I was actually traveling in Southeast Asia. Yeah. And that was just a few years ago. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I was amazed. I lived in Dominican Republic for eight or nine months in 1995. Mm -hmm. And it was so beautiful and the culture was so interesting. I learned Spanish and I became bilingual. And I'm really grateful for the experience. But I moved to South Florida after that. And the things that you appreciate... Um, just strange, like no potholes. Like yeah. you, you could get injured just being a passenger in a car, driving around. They have potholes that could take your axle out. Like it's crazy. Yeah, having a smooth road to drive on. Um, 
consistent electricity and running water, uh, absence of like total filth and garbage and you know, it's, it's Yeah, there's difficult. a reason why we pay taxes, right? right? <laughs> Cambodia exactly. was, I remember Cambodia was the first one that I, my eyes really opened because I crossed the border from Thailand. We had to walk over. And the first thing that you're kind of greeted with is like a bunch of impoverished children mm-hmm. that are busy asking you for money or to buy something or to give you candy or whatever. And you know, because you've done your research before you've gone traveling, that a lot of these kids have been kidnapped and like they're actually working for yeah. somebody like right yeah. so it's it's kind of, ugh, it's terrible so that was like my first impression of Cambodia it's a wonderful country but like there's a lot of issues like the the old Khmer Rouge um one of the guys who was part of it he's actually the president now wow right so like Amazing. it's still yeah their recent history is still very much alive there and it was uh incredible like I said why I opening yeah so what about uh you had kind of a desire to leave Kelowna Mm. and what do you think caused that um the 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 good old spreading your wings and thinking that that's what I thought becoming an adult meant that you had to go explore and make sure you know you you stumble a bunch of times and find your way that way right Mm -hmm. I thought you had to leave uh you know get one of those internship jobs or whatever. And like the job that I got at the radio station I work at now, Beach Radio and Power 104, mm-hmm. I, I thought it was just going to be a job. Like I was the events person, the the ambassador for the radio station. Mm-hmm. So, and then somehow that just turned into a career and that's okay too. A lot mm-hmm. of people think that, again, they have to leave, do something, you know, extravagant right. to become an adult. Their- Parents, yeah, that's a big part of it, right? And mm. are your your parents still running the meat shop? Yeah, over twenty years now. Wow, they've been doing that. So, do they still love it? They do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. They don't eat as much meat as they used to. Maybe they just had too much smoke products in their life. <laughs> <laughs> but I can say, Dad's always um, making new products. He actually just started making a a chorizo pepperoni. Wow, oh, it's good. If you like spicy. They, do they sell like uh, beef jerky and yeah, beef things jerky. like that? Um, I love he beef makes, jerky, so I yeah, want to check great. it out. I'm not sure if we shop there. We have. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> you'll, have to, you'll have to remind me. It's such, it's such an interesting city because it's like, it's a big city in the sense of everything you want is here. Yeah. And there's a lot of variety, so it's not just like a handful of restaurants. There's a ton of restaurants. And, but there's like one or two degrees of separation. Like everybody knows somebody. I know. You know, that knows somebody. And it comes back around. It's interesting. But tell us, how how did you get the job at the radio station? Uh, Well, my parents actually have been purchasing radio since 2003 now. And our rep at the time, Sue, I... We loved her. She was like a friend, and she'd come in all the time shopping and, you know, give us a rundown on our advertising. Uh And (laughs) I remember hearing an ad on the radio for a salesperson. And this is me, like, uh, 20 years old, 19, actually, thinking, oh, I could do that. Like, I'm just starting my Okanagan College degree. radio, you mean, like, voice? Uh, Radio sales. So I'd be um, in a 
in the role I am in now. So advertising, consulting, working with businesses, helping them to grow their bottom line, right? Yeah. Um, So that's what I wanted to do at 20. And so you just explain that. So you've heard someone on the radio talking about what? So it was a a radio station advertisement saying, would you like a job as a salesperson? Ah, Uh, basically. Right. Right. Uh, And I was like, I sure do, because <laughs> I'm a keener. Right. Um, and so I talked to Sue, uh, our rep, and she's like, yeah, let me get you in for an interview. And then I kind of come in, and she's like, so you're going to be the station ambassador, okay? And I was like, okay, because <laughs> I was prepared to like quit school to do this job, right? Because it's a full-time job, and I was just starting at the Okanagan College. Mm-hmm. Um so it just worked out perfectly. I had my, my weekend set. I had another job. I was always working for my parents, and I still always get conned into doing something for them. Right. But, uh, yeah, it was a great job, and it allowed me to get through school with no debt. And, yeah, I came out way ahead. And then suddenly now it's my career path, right? Wonderful. So what did you take in school? Uh, it's my bachelor of business, mm-hmm. so, and I specialized in marketing. That did, was, that, did that change when you decided you were going to take this job, or was that what you had planned to do? Maybe I'm just super practical, but I looked at a lot of the other people who, you know, when you're when anyone's uh, picking their what they want to go to school for, mm-hmm. you know, maybe I'll do this, that, and it, it ends up being very specialized. Right. I had picked business because it's it seems to be the backbone of every single industry. If you have business experience, you can always branch out and do something else. Yes. Um, and so that's why I picked it. And then my first kind of year, because you don't pick your specialization until like the second, third year, um, I had decided to do marketing because I actually really like the psychology of it. Mm-hmm. Um Maybe I, maybe I could have been a psychologist. Who knows? But I, I love the, the, the brain games uh, that, you know, we kind of play when we're making a marketing campaign. Yeah. Yeah, it's really fun. Well, let's talk about that. So what, how does psychology relate to marketing? What are some of the key principles that, you know, if someone's going to spend money, mm-hmm. it's good if they understand this a little bit. Yeah. Right? Because you're, 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 you're uh, asking people to commit to Quite a lot of money in some cases. Mm-hmm. How does it work? Well, um, a lot of times uh, what will happen is uh, a business might focus on the features of their product mm-hmm. um, and how, how great they work. Right. Um, but at the end of the day, we're looking for the emotional, that pull, that anchor that makes someone want to buy something. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's the feature is great, but it's actually that propulsion of I need this product. Right. right? Um, and that's, and it's shifting that mindset and actually getting inside of, it's such a simple concept, but it's so hard to actually get it right. Right. Um, yeah, it's a, it's really interesting trying to find that emotional string that you yeah. get to tug. It's interesting because I think of like transportation as an example. Mm-hmm. So if you say, well, this car will get you to work every day, there's no emotional, I could walk, I can mm-hmm. take a bus, I can take a bike, I could buy a different car. But it's the emotional connection to that car that makes you want to buy that car. So it's not just about transportation. Yeah. It's not just about, hey, you can turn the key and it'll start. Mm-hmm. Well, who cares? Because lots of cars can do that, right? <laughs> but it's like, yeah. this car is sexy, this car is fast, this car looks great, or whatever. Yeah, this it's car is about emotional. family. 
right? right? Like, and, and, and you can yeah. feel that kind of, or it's exhilarating to drive this car, yeah. right? This is the car that your friends will be jealous of. So right. those are the things that get people excited when you're working on a marketing plan. And, you know, it's, it's finding those moments of animation when someone is talking about their own business. Mm-hmm. It's like, ah, this is why you're doing what you're doing. And how do we share that with our customers or your customers, right? Yes. So that's what we're always looking for at the end of the day. What makes your business great? What makes you really excited? Yes. And how can we share that with our listeners on the radio station? So do you, you sell, right? Mm-hmm. But how involved do you get with the creative aspect of it? So yeah. you meet me as a realtor and you find out what excites me about being a realtor. Do you relay that to the creative department or do you mm-hmm. say you need to talk to so-and-so in creative? Yeah, and it really depends on uh, the person I'm working with. Sometimes they're like, nope, this is what I'm doing. This is my plan. Right. Here, please implement it. It can be as simple as that, right? Or I can be working with someone who's a little bit more needs direction. They don't mm-hmm. quite have an idea of uh, who they're targeting, why they're targeting them. You know, they've just got a product that they really love. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole range of businesses that I get to work with. And, you know, most people... They get into business for themselves because they don't want to work for someone else and they're in love with what they do. So it doesn't necessarily mean that they have a ton of business experience, you know, and, you know, maybe they didn't go to business school to get that backbone, right? They're just doing what they love and, and they're kind of learning as they go, which is Mm -hmm. another great way to do it. Right. But, you know, with the people that are willing to kind of learn and kind of open up through their radio advertising... I get really excited because we can bring that person in and we have a whole creative department that will work with them and I come up with the strategy to implement that creative that we we create interesting because some salespeople I know they kind of they say well I I help sell but I'm not really creative so the client gets passed over to the creative but you're actually in charge of the overall strategy Mm-hmm. So you'll sit down with the client and the creative yeah. department and say, this is the, the strategy. Yeah, it's a big collaborative effort. It almost ends up kind of uh, feeling like an agency mm-hmm. approach where, you know, we're kind of start to finish. Um, yeah. And if, you know, someone's looking for help on their digital side, we can also help with that, right? Because right. Um, one of the things that I learned from my education was those integrated marketing plans. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to have dissociated uh, pieces all over, say you're doing radio, television, online. And if, if they don't match up, it's okay that they don't match, but it's better if they all kind of are working towards one thing so that, you know, if someone is listening to the radio and then watching the news in the evening, you know, it's a consistent message across the board. Right. So we can kind of help say, hey, we suggest you can do this. So it's more than just here, buy some radio commercials. Right. <laughs> because uh, repetition is very important yeah. in marketing and repetition can be expensive, right? Mm-hmm. So tell us how, how radio competes now in this age of YouTube and you know Facebook. And yeah. most people get their news from Facebook, uh, I'm told. And there's so much content now. Mm-hmm. It's not like I remember being driven to school and it was a one hour bus ride. And my bus driver would always have the same radio station on. So we listened to it. We'd learn yeah. the morning show, we'd learn all the characters, right? We heard the news of the day and we were, you know, 12, 13 years old. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and there was like a handful of stations, right? That we didn't have YouTube. No. Or anything like that. So how, how is it, tell us about some of the challenges now competing with so much content. Um, yeah, so I, I think a lot of people think that they can just pick one and just say that's mm. an end deal. Like, that's it. That's all we need to do. And I think um, that's where we're kind of missing a little bit. You know, I still know people who spend uh, over a grand on their digital advertising, which, you know, what are they getting for that? You know, yeah. And really it depends on the person who's executing it, you know, because you can also do that not to its optimal ability right, right. Yeah. um so yeah there's a there's a lot of media options out there and you know we kind of do compete with those um those people who decide to just do one over another mm -hmm. um and i think, think they can effective though oh yeah i i think they work actually really well together mm -hmm. uh one article um i remember reading it was being sought versus being found um, a lot of the digital advertising, you're kind of working on getting your SEO up so that you're on the top of the page. And, and that's when people are just searching for generic industry, right? right. Um, and then you're on the top of the page. And what radio or broadcast medias uh, will do is now you've got some brand awareness. Yeah. And instead, when you're looking for general industry, you're actually going to type in that business name. So we want to switch that kind of thinking from being uh, found to being sought after. And it takes a lot of effort when you're looking at doing a branding campaign, mm -hmm. right? But it's it's how you can accomplish it with, uh, you can accomplish that with radio. Yeah. Yeah. You're also a belly dancer. I am. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us how, how you got into belly dancing. When did that happen? Uh, I think that was six years ago now. Uh -huh. Six, seven years I really don't like the gym. Like, I do not like the gym, actually. What, why? Um, I, don't like, I don't like running. Right. I don't like weights. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm actually a pretty lazy person. <laughs> but I also still wanted to be active, right? So I had uh, found a belly dancing uh, instructor online because uh, I was looking at the different belly dancing that you can do. What made you do I like, that? I, I, I randomly thought of it. I said, I could do that. Really? really? <laughs> I don't even know how. Don't know. I don't know how. I just like, oh, maybe I could try belly dancing because I really like dancing. Okay. Actually, no, I do know how. I really like dancing. I used to do uh, salsa Latin dances, but of course you it requires you to have a, a male partner. Otherwise, right. you kind of just get partnered up with a random person, which is right. fine. But I, it wasn't my cup of tea. Right. So um, I did want to do something different. And it was uh, the workout I was looking for. And then so, I found... Oh, sorry. So so going back, you were younger. Mm -hmm. You were into dancing. You didn't find it the best because you never know which male partner you're going to get. Yeah. Sometimes they maybe they smell bad or they can't dance or stuff <laughs> on your feet. It's true. And uh, press, so you, no. like, you like dancing. Yeah. So how did... But, if you go back a little bit, do you remember when you first started to dance? Were you a little kid or no. how, did, how did you get into I dancing? know my mother has video of me dancing to Barney. Does <laughs> that count? Yeah. Well, that counts, yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I didn't. Uh, like, I, I got put into the jazz classes and things like that. But they felt so structured and regimented. Yeah. And when I found the belly dancing, like, I, I, didn't, I didn't continue on with any of those dances. But when I found belly dancing, I realized it was more than like belly fit 
I think a lot of people are familiar with that. It's like a cardio and it's you're like <laughs> belly dancing. I thought it was going to be like that, but it's not. It's, it's a community dance. It's improv. It requires communication through body language. Um, it's actually really special to me yeah. now that I've found it because it's, um, it's so unique from a lot of people are, um, there's a big gap. You know, we were so connected now, but yet we're not. Yes, um, you mean socially. Socially. So now I'm finding I'm connecting with people on a very deep level because we're not saying a word to each other when we're dancing, but we are communicating in mm -hmm. very big ways. So I really love belly dance and the style in particular that I am in a lot. So you're saying there's different styles of belly dancing. Yes. And? <laughs> there's, a, there's a whole tree. Wow. <laughs> The branches are endless. At different skill levels, I imagine, too. So it's not like, okay, just yeah. do just do this and, and you're done. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's something you get better at. Yeah. Um, so, like, my friend uh, Glenda, she's teaching American Tribal Style. And uh, she teaches level one classes. And the thing she says to all the level one students, she's like, this isn't just level one. This is fundamentals. These are the hardest moves that you will learn, and you will always come back to them. Hmm. It's like any, anything else we do. We always learn the fundamentals first for a reason because it's the groundwork on which we build ourselves on. Right. So, um, yeah, I take, I take my level one class all the time um, because you got to stay humble, right? Yeah, so you keep taking that oh, yeah. foundational class. That makes sense, you know. Mm -hmm. I think in sales or anything you want to be good at, I mean, I'm a huge baseball fan. Yeah. And before every game, they're out there doing ground balls and swinging mm -hmm. the bat, just the basic basic stuff um so are how many styles are there like more than a dozen or uh, at least yes <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and which which one are you which so um american tribal style was founded actually in san francisco a lot of people would say well belly dance is from the middle east you know um but what carolina Noricchio did she's the founder of american tribal style she took inspirations from all these different places, and notably the Spice uh, Trail or the Romani Trail. Mm. So, um, where is that? Well, the inspiration comes from India all the way over to Spain. So oh, that was the big Spice Trail. Yes. Okay. Yeah. The um, the Romani people. So that was kind of um, gypsies. Right? Yes, but we don't actually use that term because it's. It is, yeah. Okay. So they're actually a Romani people. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, I I love the different influences because, you know, Indian has its own style, mm -hmm. right? Like the Odissi dancers, Rajasthani dancers are yeah. very cool. If you look them up, they're beautiful. They do the beautiful spinning barrel right. turns. Right. Um, uh, over to flamenco in mm -hmm. Spain, um, really strong, uplifted posture, and that's, Right. That's the belly dance that we do, whereas a lot of times it's, you know, more relaxed. Like if you're looking at Egyptian belly dancers, you know, they do a lot more drum solos and things like that. But this is a group dance. It's, it's simple um, for the purpose of um, improvisation, right? Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's wonderful. <laughs> mm -hmm. so, so just to be clear, the Romani people mm -hmm. would uh, trade and travel uh, along that route. Yeah. And... Uh, they picked up various styles of belly dancing all along the way. Mm -hmm. And so the American uh, tribal style was based on the Romani, which was a yes. collection of different styles. 
Yeah, um, mainly. Because there's other, uh, like, we have movements straight from Gwazi tribes in Egypt as Mm -hmm. well. So um, the the thing that I'll kind of say is it's such a rooted dance. Like, when you see it, it's like your feet are planted on the ground and you're uplifted, right? right? So it's a, yeah. All kinds of, of, yeah, influences. mm -hmm. All kinds. Is it hard to do? Like, can anybody just... Anybody can do it. Yeah. Anybody can do it. It is harder than it looks because there are body isolations, right? So how often do we actually ask our arm to go behind our head without lifting our chest, right? Like having our arms elevated and up, we never do that. Mm -hmm. Um, Even asking our our hips to to move in a certain way, we are usually just marching on forward, right? Right. So there's a lot of, um, there's a, a large learning curve. It's uh, interesting what you said as it's a social thing. Yeah. Um, what sort of occasion does this take place? Like, I've heard of, like, dinners and mm-hmm. people will say we're going to have belly dancing. Um, do they have competitions? Like, what? how does this happen? Do you just get together with your group? Like, So I definitely get together with my group all the time. And um, the social part... So on a local level, mm. um, we can get together and we have like belly dance parties, aka mm. halfless. Um, so we just dress up, we put music on, and we dance. And you have some some nibble, nibbles and and wine. Yes, the wine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but on a global scale, the dance I do, I could go to Russia next week, mm-hmm. and I could not speak the language, but I could speak ATS with them. So I could actually go dance with a troupe in Russia. ATS, American Travel Style. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So that's what I really love about it. It's this community it's that's language. interconnected. Yeah, it's a language. Um, yeah. it, and tell us just a little bit about the physical benefits. So you said that some people have done exercise routines yeah. based on a type of belly dancing. Yeah. <laughs> this is much more than that, but I guess... It has some great physical benefits as well. Mm-hmm. I'd say so, for sure. Um, I suppose uh, the main thing for me is that it gets me up and active all the time. Um, mm-hmm. It's good flossing for the brain as mm-hmm. well, right? Um, because you're thinking while you're trying to move. <laughs> I see. And if you ever try to do that, like move in a specific way while thinking about doing the next thing, yeah. it's not easy. Right. Right. <laughs> but... Um, it, it keeps me physically fit because um, I do dance um, at least six hours a week. Um, and I'm also dabbling into some new styles as well because mm-hmm. it's just it's just fun, yeah. right? Like you, you get a workout at the end of the day and you're like, I don't even feel like I worked out, right? Yeah, so yeah. that's my favorite part about it. It doesn't even feel like I've been working out yet. I'm like, oh, hey, I, I think I have abs. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, I always, you know, I try to... Uh, run and I really don't like it and uh, I realized that I, <laughs> I actually I love walking yeah right and so why not do something you actually love to do and it makes it so much easier to get into shape uh-huh. and someone told me just as a side note uh, if you're walking like you're late for a flight not just sauntering along but walk like you're late for a flight like walk as fast as you can yeah I can picture that uh, you're going to get in really good shape. And if you enjoy doing it, you don't feel like, oh, i got to go to the gym again. You know, yeah. it's like, yeah, so that's super cool. Um, well, we really live cool. such a sedentary lifestyle nowadays. and How often do you, do you do belly dancing? 
Um, four times a week. Four times a week. Yeah. Do you ever hear a song come on the radio and you just spontaneously start belly dancing? Oh, God. I, I embarrassed <laughs> myself last night. Um, so every once in a while, the radio station, we have some really cool deals. And so we were doing a Canucks kind of package deal. Uh, so we gave tickets to some clients who decided to go in right. on a campaign. And so that's where we were in one of those box uh, seats. Yeah. This is my first time in there, by the way. I was like, oh, this is exciting. Yeah, it's great. So we were at Prospero watching the Canucks game, and uh, some of the songs came on, and I'm like, <laughs> just jamming, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then people always give me a weird look, and then I go, oh, right. Time and place, time and place, time and place, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, I, I have to stop myself from bursting out into full on dance. I learned the Charleston. What's that? That's like an old 1940s? Yes. Or 30s? Yeah. yeah. The, so there's um, another dance style called tribal fusion. And so uh, Carolina Noricchio, uh, the American tribal style creator. Right. There were students underneath her who branched off and created another style of dance that was formed in North America. And so there's tons of these tribal fusion dancers now that they take steps like that yeah and they have like finger symbols uh, so you have these um oh yeah brass uh, zills on your fingers and you yeah. play instruments so they like put the charleston to finger symbols and oh cool it, it's very cool how you can take these movements and fuse them into and making it into belly dance yeah right very neat yeah very neat so if someone wants to talk to you about radio marketing yes. tell us again the stations yeah. that you're working for and what's the best way to get in touch with you to start a discussion about it? Yeah, so um, I work for Beach Radio 103.1 and Power 104. And basically the best way to get a hold of me is you can go to our website, uh, beachradiocolona.ca, and uh, they have a contact us. And you just call the phone number there and ask for Brittany. Fabulous. That's yeah. great. Now, Brittany, who would you like to nominate to come on the show in the future? Okay, um... Not to be inappropriate, but because it's the 69th episode, the I'd like... The next one is. This yeah. is 68. This next is 68. One. So next episode is 69th. Yes. I'd like to nominate Kim Williams from Wild Kingdom. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous. I've always wanted to talk to her for a while, so... Good. good. <laughs> She's got some great information for you. <laughs> tell, tell us a little bit about Kim. Why, um, why, do, you, why do you like her so much? <laughs> Uh, well, what, whatever you feel comfortable. Yeah, no, saying. Kim's uh, an awesome lady. I've been working with her uh, for radio campaigns for a while now. Oh, great! Yeah, Sweet. so she is a client of mine, great. Um, and so they own Wild Kingdom on Lawrence Street there, and they're just. If you ever have great questions people. about anything, they're yeah. not afraid to answer them. Like there's such a stigma attached to sex that yeah. I dislike, and I'm glad yeah. that they're just open about it. Right. Awesome. Thank you. It'd be an interesting interview. I think so. So I noticed because I've been listening to this station for 10 years that it's changed a few times. Mm -hmm. um, is this a bad thing to change? Like change is good, but why does it keep happening? So um, what you're referring to is our older station, which was Q, and we kept changing the format to see mm. if it would stick within ratings. And that was what we had struggled with for a while because we, what we were getting was the demographics were good, but we found that we were um, second to another station and we couldn't quite get around that. But basically, we were one of two formats that were already 
yeah, in the market. Mm. So um, that was something that we really needed to address. And one of the things too was that we didn't have the financial support when we were Q1031. Like we weren't marketing it. I, and I think a lot of people would agree that they didn't see it everywhere unless you were at some community events. Mm-hmm. Um, so then last year, we finally conducted a survey in the spring, and we asked our, participa- our participants um, that would be our target audience um, what they wanted. And basically, what we got back was, we want what we love, our, the nostalgic days of the 80s and 90s. And we're like, oh. Okay. (laughs) And uh, so then we flipped um, Q103.1 to Beach Radio. And this was right when uh, The Juice, if you can remember that format, they played everything and they didn't quite have a a dialed-in niche. Exactly. So we're like, oh, Juice is out. We can do 80s, 90s now. So there was suddenly an opening in the market that we were like, we can do this. We can hit it hard. Uh, we brought in a new uh, program director who took direction from like Edmonton, Vancouver, big markets. So that's why we have such a, I really believe we have a big market sound now. Uh-huh. And, uh, and we've actually been investing quite a bit of money in this station because we really believe that this format is like the key to people's hearts. Like the yeah. 80s and 90s is really fun. We got a great morning show, midday afternoon drive, like solid on air team. So yes. that was what we've been waiting for for a long time. Um, and, you know, we have switched out some management and, and that kind of stuff. But that was the, the biggest thing, you know, yeah. with the station uh, change, we're seeing a lot of momentum in the market now. It's so true. Um, older people among us, we love that music because we remember it. And uh, know the words. But we have, you know, there's kids who say, oh, my parents used to listen to that. Or yeah. I had a big brother, big sister that used to listen to that stuff all the time. Yeah. And so everybody loves 80s and 90s music. It's so true. You were on a cute cruiser, weren't you? I was. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I drive around all the events and, and promote them on you. I nice. was a lot of fun. I'm still a lot of fun. You are. So <laughs> I had free prizes. That's wonderful. Thanks so much. <laughs> yes, of course. Thank you for having me. Meet Kate. Hello. She seems like an ordinary girl, but a while back, Kate's dad lost his job. Aww. Since then, their family has spent all their savings and are about to lose their home. At times, they even have no money for food. My tummy hurts. Kate is one of 2,000 kids here who struggle with hunger, but there's hope. Central Okanagan Food Bank. Visit cofoodbank.com now to donate and help us set a plate for Kate. Thank you. an incredible view, but your outdoor furniture is lackluster. Make your outdoor surroundings as beautiful as the world around you with custom patio furniture from Wickerland Patio. Choose your fabric, choose your style. They can custom order and deliver it to you faster than anyone else. Wickerland Patio on Highway 97, one block north of Costco and at wickerland.ca. Outdoor living at its best. Wickerland Patio. This Christmas, give the gift of an amazing experience. Like walking a plank hundreds of feet in the air. 
fighting alien enemies, or swimming with whales. This shopping season, stop into Arcadia Virtual Reality Lounge, pick up a gift certificate, and blow everyone else's gifts away. Santa likes virtual reality, and so will your loved ones. With everything from intense action games to amazing experiences, there's something for everyone at Arcadia Virtual Reality Lounge on McCurdy Corner and at ArcadiaVR.ca.